Hello there and welcome to the podcast Sport and Life. Thank you for clicking on the button. It is Friday the 20th of March 2020 if you're listening to this back in the future and it is in the midst of the corona crisis in the UK. Uh, public places have kind of been locked down, not formally but people discouraged from going out. Schools, my daughter's school, she's in reception in her first year at five years of age. She's finishing school today for an indefinite break. A lot of people's workplaces have closed down. People encouraged to work from home, social distancing and everything like that. So today I'm going to have a chat to my dad, who is a general practitioner, doctor in the Cotswolds in England, kind of centralised belt between Oxford, Cheltenham and Birmingham for people internationally. He's also got 40 years of experience generally as a doctor, initially as an anaesthetist, has worked um, in this country, in the Caribbean, and across the border in Wales as well. Been a general practitioner on and off for 30 years. Has also qualifications in hypnotherapy and homeopathy as well. So he's looked at alternative medicine. So he's got a kind of broad panorama of, of medical insight and certainly an open, open-minded guy and has been studying yeah, part of his daily job, the corona crisis, symptoms of the flu-like condition and perhaps what we should look out for, what his perspective is on it and um, ways of staying well. And he's done nutrition courses as well and designed nutrition courses and designed supplements so I'm going to talk to him a little bit about immunology and how we can boost our immune systems potentially ahead of getting this virus as it seems that a lot of people who are healthy and able-bodied and youngish may well be uh, able to get it and then develop immunity or that's yet to be confirmed but anyway I hope you enjoy this podcast it's an association again with Bang and Olufsen of Cheltenham local uh, entertainment companies selling Bang & Olufsen equipment and also Serene AV who are housed in the same shop with Jason Briggs in Montpellier in Cheltenham where I'm based and they can uh, sort out any entertainment needs, installations, that kind of thing, good people and hopefully we'll um, speak to them again very soon as well. It's a very surreal time for anyone in, in trade, isn't it, in all of our jobs and the flow of money generally slowing around the world. I'm still broadcasting at Sky Sports News, although with pretty much all sport on hold until at least April 30th, so 40 days from now or so. Um, not much is happening in the way of sports, so it's just kind of updates on the health of players who've recovered from coronavirus and having coronavirus and things. So it's a very surreal time for everyone, and uh, with work stopping, I think, around the world, it's um, yeah, so hopefully, hopefully a bit uncertain and, and disconcerting and hopefully we can kind of address a few things here with my dad and hope to get a guy called Dr Ranoff Crook next week who's a doctor locally too to do a, a phone chat uh, from the Optimal Health Clinic as well he works there in Cheltenham so hopefully get a bit of help to people and just a bit of perspective from from doctors on the ground with the corona crisis cheers guys hope you enjoy this okay here we go Dr Mark Draper dad how you doing yes I'm very well yeah good how is work at the moment well, it's changed dramatically because in uh, general practice now we're doing telephone triage and not seeing people in the practice unless they've been screened. So a lot of routine visits uh, to the surgery are now postponed and people are given advice over the telephone as to what they should do and where they should go. And do you think that people generally following that advice, are they? To be yes. sensible about it and not, not to come in? Yes, yes. And people want to defer routine appointments for reviews and things like that. So that's the footfall through general practice has gone down considerably. Yeah. And um, in a way that that is so that the 
elderly and vulnerable who represent a lot of our routine appointments are not m sitting and mixing with people that might have respiratory mm. tract illnesses and things like that. Have you found that people are staying at home more generally anyway to, to avoid coming to the practice? Yes, yes. Is that, kind of, is, that, is that a sort of cogent thing to do at the moment, I suppose, to avoid using yes. medical services when you've not got anything acute? Yes, yes. Yes, because it, it, it means that uh, the focus of attention can be on giving advice to those people that have some symptoms and to work out of the symptoms um, might be that or another illness. Um, are people who are self-isolating at home uh, self-isolating for the right reasons what can they can they do what can't they do um, mm. and uh, you know when do they when when do they uh, come back they, out when when do they come back out but also you know wh when should they go back to the workplace when should they um, visit other people um, and uh, um, what what do they do if things get worse? And obviously, if things got worse, then they would call the emergency services in the same way as they, hmm. as if they had um, any other illness, really. Yeah. Well, I should say that we're sort of trying to keep our distance here, albeit recording on my phone. And I know that you're kind of uh, very good with your hygiene, and, and I am as well. We haven't done our uh, usual jovial embraces we, we do as a family. So it's a, it's a slightly different time for people. How How do you find particularly on the phone, how easy is it to determine whether someone's likely got coronavirus because the symptoms are, um, are similar to, to colds and flus? Well, I think the first thing, you know, that, that we start with is um, questions uh, as to whether or not people have been in contact with somebody that's been ill, whether or not they have a fever, whether or not they have a, a, a dry cough or cold-like symptoms. Mm. Um, do they feel ill? Um, do they have any other symptoms like muscle aches or, um, you know, just feeling very sleepy and tired? Um, and obviously on the telephone, you're, you're judging if people have any difficulty with their breathing, because if they have to stop talking, then they're clearly struggling. Is that a point? Is that a point of difference with colds and regular flu? Then you think is that a way that people can no, get, I think get the, inkling if they if they have it. I think you know colds. Colds would be classified with with a a, a runny nose, maybe a sore throat to some degree. Mm. Um, the fever with with a cold is is quite a low grade fever, whereas with Influ with influenza viruses or with coronaviruses, the fever would be above 37.8. So mm -hmm. it may even be 38, 39. Um, so the presence or absence of a fever gives you an idea of how ill somebody is. How, how prevalent are asymptomatic instances of it, though? Because we're seeing celebrities who are saying they've had testing done like Idris Elba, the actor, I think the Canadian Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, said he hasn't really manifested symptoms despite yeah. being positively diagnosed. Is that partly why, is that another reason why social distancing is important at the moment? Because people aren't sure whether they're having it and we, we don't yet know. There's a, there seems to be a wide range of symptom response. Yeah, if, if we look at, you know, what the 
positive testing represents. The positive testing represents, at the moment, a saliva test which is positive. So in other words, the, that person has the coronavirus in their saliva. Therefore, by definition, they, they could infect other people the degree of illness that they have will depend upon their own immunity, um, whether or not they've got any other conditions. So they, they, may, be, they may test positive and be relatively asymptomatic. Mm. And in a way, that's the information that we're... With any new disease, um, we're trying to understand the patterns of illness that different people will experience we will get people who test positive who have um very mild symptoms mm. and um don't really become ill like some of the footballers and the yeah. arsenal head coach Mikel Arteta apparently yeah yeah so so you know and 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 that would be true in influenza outbreaks as well would there would be the difference being that with influenza, we've we've come across previous strains of influenza virus. Therefore, our immune system has been primed before. Mm. Um, whereas with the with new viruses, um, we have we're relying upon our own innate immunity, which is more cellular than based upon antibodies. Um, and if you like, the people that are testing positive now with saliva tests, um, their saliva will become negative as they develop antibodies. So they then will have some degree of immunity to future episodes, but we're not quite sure um, whether or not, if the virus mutated, whether mm. or not that immunity, how long it would it last? That's the big question. You know, will, are, are people relatively immune for weeks or months? Um, or whether they can catch it again is a or big Or can question, they catch yeah. it again? You know, there, there are cases of people testing positive to you know at some time apart the question was did they continue to carry it or have they caught it again yeah i think that's something we talked about is a lot of people are sort of panicking because of confirmed cases relative to deaths the morbidity rate do you is there a way of saying that people should be cautious in in looking at that confirmed cases with the fact in mind that when people aren't actually being tested at the moment currently if they're not seriously hospital cases you you have to look at the um way that different countries are, are are testing so if if your testing uh procedures are hospital based or when people are seriously ill your data will show a, a higher death rate because you're um by definition you're only t- testing those people that are yeah are, are severely ill if your testing is throughout the whole of the population then you start to see how many people are testing positive who are relatively asymptomatic or very mildly ill and then there will then you would expect that the death rates will probably represent the 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 a, a truer death rate if you like so yeah. unless you did an industrial scale national testing s- system you you wouldn't really have an accurate picture of that and perhaps no we just we're cautious over the stats at this stage yes and so what you've got to do is you've got to look at the various different populations um and that data to 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 judge it 
um, it will re represent to some extent the um, medical care that they receive mm. um, you know uh, um, yeah but the I think I think the majority of people uh, you know children seem to be very minorly affected they often just have symptoms of a cold runny nose sore throat is, is, often, that, is that again why the, this is a tricky customer because potentially children mixing with with vulnerable groups is that yes is, is one of the the issues and the concerns behind yes. isolating the elderly yes so they could be they could be uh they they could they might not have a, a severe cough um they may not even have a a, a high fever but they could be carrying the virus and they could carry it into, um, you know, an old person's home mm. um, who, who's, who's either just elderly or the chance of having other illnesses that make them vulnerable. So heart disease, diabetes. Um, yeah, what, what are the key, what, what are the big risk factors for you? Because you're, you're mid-60s, but you're working in the front line as a doctor age range what's the cutoff what's the what's the, the, well, the point people are thinking becomes... that um you know self-isolation um and and sort of restricting your contact out, outdoors you should consider if you're more, uh, older than 70 mm. um but obviously a younger person with uh, um uh, significant emphysema or or um uh lung disease or asthma would would have to be more careful because corona is particularly a respiratory tract illness you know the cases um the early cases were bilateral pneumonias mm. um and in you know in, in hospital admissions and um people needed oxygen people a small very small percentage needed uh, ventilation assistance with their breathing. Mm -hmm. um, how how difficult is it is it for the medical industry profession with the the range and flux of the symptoms or the apparent range and flux of symptoms? Because is that inconsistent? You mentioned traditional influenza. Is that inconsistent with traditional influenza, which may have more of a common symptom base, even if it's more severe for some people? I think that I think there probably is. Uh, a, a wider variety and and in a sense it's it's interesting with a new illness to look for keynotes so for instance there are people that have described not developing a cough but uh, not having much of a fever but clearly having a, a burning throat mm. um, and often a, a very uh, altered uh, nasal sensation, either burning or, or some people have described ulcers in the nose, mm. and they've tested positive. Um, but have they had fevers as well or not? They've had they've had they've had some fever, but not particularly high. Yeah, but they've because not that necessarily be... had a cough. A lot of workplaces, mine included, at Sky Sports were queuing up. Not the times I'm going because I'm working late at the moment, so I'm not queuing up. But there's no one there to come in. But we're we're getting our temperature read when we come in to sort of determine as a a base late a line of fitness whether we're able to come in and work is that do you feel it's an accurate accurate measure at the moment or should there be more of a holistic kind of question and analysis 
Well, I, I, th- I think that um, the degree of fever denotes the degree of illness to some extent. Mm. So if, if you've got a, a fever and a cough and it's a productive cough, then your chance... What does productive mean? Uh, bringing up phlegm. Yeah. So if you're bringing up phlegm, and it was a clear phlegm, a bit like when you have a runny nose, the secretions are clear, then it's viral. Um, but you... Because it's supposed to be a dry cough, is it? This no, it can, no. Be, it can be both a dry cough and a, a, a productive cough. But... In a viral illness, the secretions are clear, whereas if if somebody had a bacterial bronchitis, then the secretions would be coloured, either green or or, or brown. Mm. Um, and we would take that as an indication that somebody needed antibiotics. Now, the infection might be primary or secondary, so you could have somebody with bronchitis who doesn't have a viral illness, uh, such as a a cold or an influenza or corona um but the virus often um causes secondary infection yeah and that's what in a way we're 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 if we're talking to people on the telephone we might feel they have so like pneumonia and things like that is what is that secondary infection yeah so so but they're also the the cases of corona would be a viral pneumonia often a bilateral shadowing, like a grass gland appearance. So that would be a different virus that, that would piggyback that, on corona? That, no, that person with, with um, an advancing coronavirus in, infection um, would, um, would have difficulty breathing. Mm. So they would not only have a fever, likely to have a fever, they would, they would feel fatigued. They would have difficulty breathing. Um, and if you measured their oxygen, their oxygen saturation uh, would would be going down. And those are the people that you would want to be in hospital to be yeah. closely monitored. So P- people who are asymptomatic or not expressing extreme symptoms that they may not suddenly register as being a flu-like illness. Can we theorise that they'll be less likely to spread the disease because of the fact they're not coughing and spluttering over other people and because presumably they wouldn't necessarily make hand contact with their own mouth, they wouldn't be coughing onto their hands, they wouldn't be necessarily... Yeah, I think... Do you think they, or, or is that the, the sort of the secret issue with coronavirus that maybe people are spreading it without knowing, which makes it trickier? The, 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 the spread is obviously going to be like a, a flu or a cold. Uh, if you sneeze or cough over somebody, you can spread it in that way. Mm. Um, but what's uh, apparent is that it also spread by way of fomites. So yeah. fomite spread means somebody with, with a virus. Um, so, for instance, norovirus. If somebody has uh, a diarrhea and vomiting from norovirus, um, they, they um, have the virus on their hand. They touch a surface particularly a door handle and then somebody touches the door handle and puts their hand to their mouth mm. then they will transfer the virus into their H- body hence the general advice for us to touch off face at the moment and it's particularly prevalent for people without symptoms because yes. if they are indirectly spreading it without knowing then that would be yeah and if you if you were in a public place um it might be the right thing to do to wear ordinary gloves 
so mm. that you then take off your leather gloves when you arrive home. You arrive home. Do you have to wipe those gloves down, then, do you? Would you? You would wipe down with 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 a, uh, an alcohol-based rub, and then when you took your hands out of your gloves, you'd wash your hands for twenty seconds under running water, mm. which is the most effective way of what washing bacteria and viruses off your hands. What, what, yeah, so what is the because people say that regular soap is as effective as antibacterial. It's, it's thought to be soaps. thought to be more effective. So when you use alcohol wipes, uh, they kill bacteria better than they kill viruses, mm. and they leave a, a residue on the hand. And they actually can be bad for your immunity, can they? Some of the sanitizers because they strip strip Some of them good bacteria as well potentially. They they can do yeah. So I I, w- I would rely more on uh, I you know all of, all of the uh, advice is about washing your hands after examining people whether or not you think they they've they've got the virus or not and that's because that's an effective way of keeping yourself clean um so likewise if you were for instance doing shopping for an elderly person or something like that mm. you 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 would would do the shopping and place the bags um uh uh outside their front door or back door and then let them know mm. um and then they 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 would not come within two meters of you yeah so there would no chance of respiratory spread but it would be safe for them to pick the bags up well, and... with touching of those bags being outside for a period of time would that potentially kill the virus as well if you left shopping bags outside for Say half an hour, um, an hour. Is it less I'm likely sh- to retain on it? Not sure about the answer to that because it's not. We we people we, people we, speculating that fresh air socialising is better than indoor socialising potentially at the moment. Um, if you were to uh, keeping that two meter distance as not well. Not sure. Not sure about that yet. I mean, I think we're still learning a lot about the degree of transmissibility. Yeah. Um, how how many cases do you think you've had of confirmed coronavirus? With your with your very, general practice, very few mm. at the moment. I think that when we have antibody testing, um, which is being developed, so that test is a response to the so that virus. so if for instance, let's take glandular fever as a typical example. Mm. If you if somebody had glandular fever in the early stages, they would have a flu like illness. It's what um, Americans call mononucleosis. If yeah, I think so American mon- people listen. So, infectious yeah. mononucleosis. So the person with glandular fever would feel they probably have a temperature, often have a sore throat, often have swollen glands, particularly neck glands. Hmm. Um, now, if, if they were tested within the first week, it, the test may come back, the antibody test, which is a blood test, might come back negative. So... If if there was in the in the blood test um, a rise in the mononuclear sites, which are monocytes are specialized white cells which rise in glandular fever. If you saw a rise in monocytes but a negative glandular fever test, mm. you'd retest it after ten days, by which time the antibodies would be present in the blood. So, if what we will be doing in retrospect is testing uh, particularly healthcare workers um, who've p- 
potentially been in contact with people before we knew mm. how widespread coronavirus was. Yeah, do you, do you sense it could have been quite widespread before, yes. before yes. the official documentation of it arriving in the UK? Yes. Just yeah. because of the symptoms being similar to everything else? Because we've had, you know, we, we, the, the flu-like illnesses that we see now are much less than we used to see in the past because influenza vaccines, which are recommended um, to the majority of the elderly, people with pre-existing conditions... Young kids. Young children, is now, if you like, a national campaign. So we, the majority of the time, through our winters, see a lot less influenza-like mm. illnesses that we would have, than we would have seen in the past. So when we get influenza-like illnesses arising, we think either that must be because it's a new strain of influenza that wasn't in the vaccine, or we think it must be something another type of illness. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what, what do you think of the concept of herd immunity and should healthy people without underlying conditions be almost open to having this or should they avoid it as a matter of course at the moment what's your take on on, on that I, th- I think if, if i think if people have uh, are otherwise well they shouldn't fear getting it uh, because for the majority of young people which is different to sars and some other previous out- outbreaks, the 1918 flu that a lot of people talked about the 1918 yeah. flu which was an influenza uh, at the end of the first world war um that particularly affected young people. What is different about corona is that children seem to be either completely asymptomatic or they have an illness that that appears to be like a cold. They may or may not have a cough with fever. So we, you know... And, you, and that's, that's so hard with children because they, they've, got so cough, often. they've got coughs and colds almost continuously, particularly at the age... Seems, my daughter Zoe is at, at five. Yeah. And, the, and so that... that and they, they, they are acquiring their immunity to these viruses that as we get older, we've acquired immunity. So if you take the sort of um, the, the animal kingdom as a whole, um, 70% of species on the planet don't acquire an immune immunity. Yeah. So the higher mammals, primates um, acquire immunity, which means we when we become ill, we develop antibodies to a particular strain uh, of illness. And then when we come across that again, we don't go down with that same strain. And that's what, it's almost the premise of vaccination as well, isn't it? You get a, yes. a small shot of that illness. Yes, yes. Um, so if you vaccinate against measles, you're giving a live attenuated measles virus, developing an antibody to it, so you don't then go down with measles. Yes, yeah. you're, you're not an epidemiologist, but how... How long is the process? Do you know how long of developing a vaccination? Because they have to do rounds of animal testing before they then find human quote, uh, quote unquote guinea pigs. It's not. It's not straightforward because every, every every type of virus has a different pattern of behaviour. The more a virus enters a human cell and emerges with a different coat, mm. uh, in simple terms, then that coat. Will, so changes through his experience. Will need a different, and you know, you'll say, "Well, this, oh, look, it's come out wearing a red coat, yeah. or it's come out wearing a blue coat." So the antibody response will need to be to a red coat. Well, you'll miss the blue. And we don't. Coat. We don't yet know whether people can catch Do, coronavirus again, or whether no, they are immune to. We're to not it. sure. 
But what, what will happen is, is that for a period after having it, because the way that we get better from a viral illness, the reason why, if you like, there's a period with a viral illness, there's a period of incubation when we're asymptomatic, then the symptoms appear. Mm-hmm. Um, so a variety of symptoms will appear. Um, and then as, a, as our body produces antibodies, which usually takes a week or 10 days, um, then the viral load that that person has reduces dramatically um, and their infectivity falls with the production of antibodies. So someone with coronavirus, and we know, we know the testing isn't widespread, so it's not conclusive that they have it necessarily at the moment, but if they believe strongly they have it, is it a 14-day period then? Is that well, generally what you should isolate for? If, if you were a single person on your own, and you, 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 let's say you've, you've been, whether you've been now, you know, obviously the advice originally was if you've been traveling to certain parts of the world, but now when you've got a pandemic, the inquiry about have you traveled becomes obsolete mm. uh, because if you've got something which is endemic, which means it's widespread within your community, there's no point saying, have you been to any of these countries? Yeah. Do, you think, do you think the corona we're seeing in the UK is consistent with the corona that was in China and more recently Italy in terms of... Yeah, what, but what, any... any, any or do, you think, do you think it's changed already to be a different, different prospect? Well, 50% of those people admitted to hospital in China were in direct contact with the, with, with the animals that had the virus. Yeah. So 50% of people had a zoonosis. Mm. But by definition, 50% had caught it off somebody else. And the majority of healthcare workers who were properly protected... At so no work, one in the UK is getting this from animals at this stage. They're getting so it from people. at the moment, we're getting it person to person. Um, and w- when a virus spreads around the globe, it will be changing. Yeah. But the question is, how much and how quickly does it change? We, we don't know at the moment. How, how will we know? And it's a rough estimate but how will we know when we're ready to go back to sort of normality in terms of people resuming public life? I think when we see that the wave of illness, um, the frequency of people becoming ill starts to reduce. And that's anecdotal, is it? Just at the moment, people reporting what they've got and had? If if at the moment we're, we're testing people when they present with severe illness. Um, so we're getting, if you like, positive uh, um, coronavirus cases, ad- people admitted to hospital, then um, we, 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 will, we will see the change in the numbers. Mm. At the moment, the numbers are still relatively small. Because the numbers of reported cases may well go down anyway, because if it wasn't coronavirus, if it was a, a, a regular flu or a common cold or which symptoms, because a lot of the footballers like Callum Hudson-Odoi, yeah. Chelsea player, who had this pretty early on in the, in the cycle last week, said that he felt it was like a mild cold. So it could be that, yes. that those reports of symptoms would diminish anyway as we enter the spring in the UK, the end of March, April, wouldn't it? Well, there's no, there's no evidence that um, it's going to be that seasonal um, yet, but, because what, we don't what, what, know. But what I mean is the, the regular colds and flu oh, are. Oh, the regular... So the regular, those, reports yes. of, those reports of those symptoms will dimin- yes. diminish, won't they? That's so the difficulty. It might become easier to see yeah. corona, in a sense. That, that's the difficulty now, is that we've got people who have, if you like, cold-like symptoms, who for a variety of reasons, let's say they've been in contact with some corona... Uh, with somebody with corona they would be tested 
because they've got the symptoms, they test positive, but there'll be a lot of people who are self-isolating with cold-like symptoms who don't necessarily have corona. Yeah. The only way we'll know is if their mild uh, cold-like symptoms uh, were, were corona was if we then retrospectively test yeah. their antibodies. So, Once got- we have antibodies, we can say, yes, that illness that you self-isolated for was corona mm. because we've you've got corona antibodies. So will the virus... if it's saying that people, it's not as widespread as potentially they projected in terms of 60% of the population getting it. If it's not that, We're will, not it, there will, it, will yeah. it be stymied through lack of contact in the sense, will the virus just evaporate, die if it's got nowhere to go? They'll all, I mean, they're, they're, once a virus gets into the human population, um, the idea of herd immunity is that the way that the uh, virus, if you like, moves from being a pandemic when does a pandemic stop when the number of people that have had it and recovered from Mm. it is sufficiently large so that the the infectivity stops so you can't spread it so if you're in a room with people who've already had it the theory's been that you can't then give it to them they can't give it to anyone else if you if you were in a room with 10 people and herd immunity said that eight out of 10 people had it there could only be two people with it but through extreme isolation say we almost go in a week or so, to a total lockdown situation where people aren't leaving their home, will the virus die out because it will die out in those individual homes if no one's mixing? Yes, to some, de- to some degree. I mean, that's, that's why a total lockdown can, be, can stop a, an but then, escalation. But then we worry about next year and a cycle coming again, would we, potentially? The, the problem is, how long do you lock down for? Mm. Um, and as soon as you, uh, you know, uh, whilst there's still a level of viral infection within a community, um, how long do you lock down for? Yeah. You know, how, and, and if you like, how damaging does it become to businesses, to the economy, to the yeah. person's psychological welfare? You know, how long can you self-isolate? And would we be better off as a species for the younger, able-bodied people to have had this to develop some sort of herd immunity or would it be better just to... Fit to, to, to everyone not get it this year and then work out a vaccine for, for next well, year? Well, the, the, the danger of successfully reducing the frequency of it now is that if, if say, for sake of argument, your measures mean that only 20% of the population have had it, then when it upsurges again, you're going to have 80% of people vulnerable, immediately yeah. vulnerable. Yeah. Um, Unless there's, there's a-, a lot of questions that we don't know the answers to, you know, how long does a person's acquired immunity yeah. to corona last? Do, are we in a cycle now where we have to be cautious to lessons of this going forward with the globalisation, the world we live in? Are there more stringent ways we can live generally to avoid things like this spreading? Um, particularly the, the Chinese government, I think, has suspended wet markets in the short term. Yes. Because it, is, is this more prevalent or are we just more aware of it now? Is it documented more? Because we've looked at I think SARS it, flu, swine flu, avian flu, bird yeah, flu. Yeah, I think, I think these, these uh, waves, uh, you know, viruses are, uh, are mutating and changing. And when they mutate and change sufficiently to become different and they're introduced into human society because of the way that we now live with the freedom of travel that we all enjoy and, and to a certain extent want, mm. then that is a consequence. So the more we move around the globe with air travel, uh, particularly, the more this type of thing will happen because 
if you have a new the illness... The nature of air travel, but yeah. the recycled air and things like that. Yeah, basically. because if you were... You know, if you take the way that people used to travel around the globe in the past, it would be on boats. So, you know, if 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 a boat was going from America to the UK and the trip takes six weeks, <laughs> be, the, the, the virus would come the, and go. It would. It would. That 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 um, ship would become ill. Mm. You know, in the past, uh, when people were seafaring, um, if they had a a. a any type of plague on board, then the ship wasn't allowed to land. Yeah. And hence, like the cruise, the cruise ships have been quarantined this time around, haven't yeah. they? Yeah. So there's, you know, similar parallel with cruise ships, really. Um, so you know, because the that you see a, a pattern of illness going around a cruise ship, not unlike the noroviruses that attack um, cruise ship and things like that. Yeah. And there was quite a bit of parallel, I think, between noro and corona, really, because yes. Corona is respiratory tract spread, but it's also fomite spread, uh, meaning contact with surfaces where an infected person has touched. So yeah, it seems more consistent so with quote unquote stomach bugs, doesn't it? In that in similar, that sense. similar, and a certain about thirty percent of people with corona develop diarrhea. Um, Do they? Yeah. So is that a symptom to be aware of if you have that with well with the cough to... with the temperature? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So if you had a fever, cough, sore throat, and then you developed diarrhea, there is a chance. Could, could, could the knock-on effect? Not it? heard vomiting so much, but okay. but you know, like obviously with noro, we think of of vomiting for six hours and then the onset of diarrhea. So are you, are you and a short-lived illness? Are you expecting an upsurge of of conditions, or do you feel that as a general practitioner, this will be more specific? to because you're doing phone consultations with mild symptoms will it be this is going to be more relevant to people who are working in in emergencies yeah i think i think that the if you like the how we'll know that it's healthcare healthcare professionals are divided into primary care which is dealing with people in the community who uh have illnesses other illnesses as well as corona we've got to look after them we've got to identify people who may have corona and we've got to identify people with corona um, who are developing more serious symptoms so that they get signposted to hospital to be properly assessed as to whether or not they need oxygen, do they need antibiotics because they've got secondary infection. Um, In severe cases, and it will be only a a few severe cases, um, do they need to yeah. be put on ventilators, and this is about hospital beds, isn't it? Is the is the and is the orchestration of the whole process is because we're trying to minute, we're trying to maximise the number of hospital beds per serious condition. Absolutely, and 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 you know, so a small percentage of people becoming seriously ill, requiring ventilation, would potentially, you know, we'd yeah. have more people needing ventilators than we have ventilators. If we if we if if we allow. Uh, if we if we lock down and restrict the spread, and in, instead of it taking weeks, it takes months, then we we have facility to deal with those that become ill. Mm. Um, and they'll have a sense as we go forward potentially of when people can resume normality based on the the hospital beds in the cases and the. Yeah, I mean the pe- the people that test antibody positive would you could argue could be freer. You know they could be. You know, they've, they've had the illness. So if you test people have had it and you think actually they can be the first pioneers to go back to the workplace and, yes. and sort of reignite the economy, which I guess is what people 
Double, the only, double, the only, double anxiety is over health and also yeah. finance at the moment. And, and, yeah, and, and the only con- and they wouldn't, you know, they, you could argue the only the only concern is that we don't know how, why, for instance, Chinese doctors became ill, and there's this concept of viral load, and being repeatedly exposed might de- be, become an immune challenge so, without time to recover. But that's peculiar. But, yeah. you know that they, these are people who are looking after people with severe coronavirus infections for month after month. And, and deplete- the concern is their immune system getting overwhelmed by recurrent exposure. And their immune system may be depleted by fatigue, overwork, stress. Absolutely. So their immune system is being challenged because of, the, of, of their role in, mm. in, in that society. What, what's your take? Because Zoe finishes school today, as people around the country, I think there's some private nurseries that are remaining open, but there'll be a lot of children around whilst... Adults of a working age are still working to a certain extent. How important now is it that those children don't become uh, the ward of, of grandparents at this time? Well, I think that's it. That that's the, an obvious concern is that um, when you have um, a, a person who's over seventy and or uh, under seventy with other illnesses which increase their risk. Um, if the children aren't in school they'll, and the parents are at work, then uh, that child will mix with their parents. Or you could argue that they'll mix with uh, a, a bigger cohort of children because in classes, to a certain extent, they're, they're, the same they're zoned, same group. Yeah. Whereas... You know, when when the children aren't in school, they'll mix with different ages. So you discourage kids from going to play parks and things like that at this this time. Well, in in a sense, if 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 children get get a mild illness, then you're not necessarily going to over restrict that, are you really? Mm. Uh, but you let them but outside, you, but don't socialise as much. Yeah, I mean, I think they they can. I think I think they can go out and exercise. They can. Um, uh, perhaps you know that that you wouldn't want them to go to a, a crowded park. If, if but if they were, you know, two or three meters away from the nearest child, and they're they're going, they're outdoors and and mm. and, um, and 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 going on on. Yeah, how, you yeah. know, keeping how, how, keeping how, keeping normal activity. Well, for adults as well, how important is is that even for for elderly and the vulnerable group? To, to be able to go outside and exercise for, I think, the, for their physical health and also mental health over the yeah, I next, think, next three weeks, four absolutely, weeks, absolutely, might be. absolutely. I mean, I think you know, a seventy-year-old uh, or a seventy-five-year-old who uh, were stayed at home, sat in an armchair for four months, probably would lose muscle, uh, would lose ability to, um, and, and you know may may start to drink too much may you know Have gain no weight serotonin from outdoors not absolutely not not you know get depressed get fed up so you know um you you can you in in rural areas particularly you you can go out for a walk um mm. you're not you're not putting yourself at risk by going outdoors you're probably mm. you know uh, you're, you're, you're boosting your immunity. You're, you, you're boosting sense? your immune system. You're you're keeping your muscles working. Um, do you do you think it will transpire? Because we've seen this extreme example of healthy footballers 
having relatively mild sim- symptoms, a couple of NBA players as well, uh, actors who may or may not be athletic. But do you sense that there is a sort of, if you have a respiratory fitness, is that a decent buffer against it? If you, yeah. if you are someone who exercises cardiovascularly regularly? Yes, yes. And, that, and that, that in a way is different to SARS because it was the young people who, who mounted a, a strong immune response that developed the symptoms. Whereas with corona, it seems like if you've got a healthy immunity, you develop mm. very, very so few think, symptoms. Will this be a, a jolt for public health? It will encourage people to be fitter, do you think, on the back of this, in a sense? It's more, a wake-up call that perhaps we do have to, to keep ourselves in good nick. I think I think there's 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 certain things that you know like personal hygiene, washing your hands and things like that 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 you know like if you go out shopping now, if if you wear gloves, uh, you you know at the moment should you wear a mask? I think that's a, a, a bit down to the per, person's uh, personal yeah. susceptibility. You know if you were if you're somebody with asthma, you might say, well, if I'm going to the shops, I'm not quite sure who's going to be standing by me. I think I'll wear a mask. Isn't, it better, to, isn't it better to shield people who have it from spreading it than it is from people getting it, though? Is that yes, right? I think, I, th- I mean, I th- and I think that's the, you know, if you're, if you're symptomatic at the moment and you think you may have a viral illness, uh, which could be corona, um, you, you know, if you live alone, you should stay at home for seven days. Yeah. Um, you could argue if you if if your illness um, uh, is is it, it develops and you're ill for four or five days, you should probably be well for four or five days before you leave you leave your house so that you know that your own antibodies get, get, get food delivery with a precaution yeah. and things and you know and case, you know yeah. that your own antibodies have reduced your viral load. Yeah. Therefore, the the risk of passing it on to anybody else is is minimal. Um, you know the, the the difference is people living alone, the seven days of self isolation, is if you've been in contact with it. If you develop symptoms, then you have to have a period of recovery yeah. when you feel well and before you want to mix. And if, if you're a fam- in a yeah, household, a yeah. then you know uh, one member of the household has a cough with fever, which could be corona all members of that household could be incubating it and therefore that household has to lock down for 14 days because there's the different stages of different stages of the illness yeah. so within that household somebody some people will be getting over it in the middle of the 7 days some people will be going down with it. <laughs> well, I was one of four boys. It could be long for big families. This could be a long period, couldn't it? Yeah. Potentially got six, the, six, seven people in a household, whatever, in, in other countries, you know, it's still bigger than that. And in a way, we want to know uh, when it's available, antibody testing. Let's say somebody had fever, uh, flu, flu-like illness, self-isolated, got better... Was it corona? Was it though? corona? Yeah. So, so we're going to we want have, to know that before we. Yeah. Before because we move the on. next time it comes round, what do we do? Mm. You know, uh, you know, in a in a month's time. Yeah, the hyg- hygiene might be a, definitely upsurge in this. I think people are talking about being more community minded. Generally, the, the way the world may change, more circumspect about about travel and things like that. But I wonder if boosting our immune system because we are a little bit nonchalant with vaccinations and stuff, and maybe a little bit of disregard to our to our health sometimes and how we how we live. Do you feel that what other ways can we boost our immunity? Because obviously you've, you've been qualified in nutrition, you've lectured in nutrition, you've designed supplements. 
not that we want to promote any particular supplements in terms of um, product placement, but what should people be aware of in terms of food and supplementation, micronutrition, what should they try and I think the, 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 the foods that um, are, have proven uh, value against viruses are foods that are high in vitamin C, um, foods that are high in flavonoids. So these are the coloured compounds, uh, for instance, things like lowbush blueberries, uh, but all of the buried fruits um, have uh, flavonoids, uh, anthocyanidins, which have antiviral properties. So, um, mm. you know, a traditional remedy for coughs and colds would be to uh, so things like strawberries, oranges. Would be to squeeze, say, lemon or lime, uh, so that you get the pith juice because the flavonoids in the lemon and lime, the limonoids, are in the pith and pulp of lemons and limes. So, if if you were to um, get organic, uh, pos- you know probably preferable to non-organic, but a lemon or lime, yeah. mix it with honey to take the acidity, then you've got flavonoids. And if you took that probably every two or three, two or three times a day, um, then you would have um, antiviral... So squeeze lemon, squeeze lemon into hot water three times a day. Yeah. Like yeah. So use it, using a, a, a lemon or lime uh, uh, appliance that, that, you know, dome-shaped... Yeah, that 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 gets the pith juice what, out. What about regular vegetables, sort of spinach, broccoli, things like that? Do they will they back? Yeah, because then the thing think the natural, um, you know, the 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 things like pulses and beans, for instance, uh, red kidney beans, very high in in flavonoids. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, your your green leafy veg would have things like folates, which are methyl group donors. So the methyl groups help your body adjust and adapt to stress, mm-hmm. as do the B vitamins. So the B vitamins throughout history have been associated with ability to recover from illness. So things like B12, again like folic acid, methyl group donor, helps your body produce adrenaline in response to illness to help you recover and get through it but also helps your brain produce dopamine. Yeah. And would you take um, supplements in terms of micronutrition? You've always been big on selenium and zinc. And cognizant they're apparent um, lacking in, in the British soil in particular. Yeah. I mean, selenium, selenium in the UK, if you look at the uh, BMJ editorial, Selenium, A Time to Act, it said that the this is from math data from 1994, that the average daily intake of selenium in the UK this is always 70 kilogram adult, was 34 micrograms, with 90% of people between 29 and 39. Um, and if you go to world health literature, the, av- the, the person should have one to five mics per kilo, which means that a woman should get 60 plus to okay. 300. So, um, less than, so we were currently in 94 getting less than half percent, yeah. like less than half of what half, we should. Work half on. the minimum. Yeah, and selenium throughout has been proven to be one of the most important protections against the virus because one of the, there's twenty three selenium proteins in the body, and um, the glutathione peroxidase is membrane mounted, and viruses get into the cell through the membrane. Yeah. So if you've got good levels of selenium dependent enzymes, you've got a healthy membrane 
which retards the virus. Therefore, if you retard the virus, and, uh, are, there sel- are there selenium heavy foods in the UK despite the lack of it in the soil, relative lack of it, or should it be a supplementation where you take a, a selenium, I think selenium the, supplement or a, a multivitamin containing selenium? I, I, I would personally go for, um, because of soil depletion uh, with selenium, I would personally go for a supplement because you know the dose yeah. you're getting. Um, I don't think you can all, you know, even uh, historically high selenium foods, like for instance, brill, but a handful, you know, the recommendation was have a handful of Brazil nuts a day. If you, if that, if the Brazil nuts have been repeatedly grown on selenium depleted soil, that Brazil nut is not going to have yeah. selenium in it. So how do you know? It'll still have the, yeah, it's still a healthy food in terms of its protein and things like that, but not... But, but, yeah. but you know, the... Not the, the micro element to it. If, if we go back to my childhood, um, so if we go back to the 1960s, the average daily intake of selenium was 60 micrograms a day. Mm. Um, it fell to 45 uh, micrograms a day because one of the staples for selenium is, um, it, it is wheat in bread. And we used to import Canadian wheat, which we added to our low selenium wheat. Yeah. So, so it went yeah, the, from 60 Amer- to... North Americans who are listening have probably got a richer supply of selenium in their soil to, the average, to this day still. Yeah, the average daily intake of selenium in America is 100 micrograms a day. So for them, it's less of an important antiviral yeah. uh, substance. So you have to but look we, at... We, we could definitely do, we probably do another podcast about this in the future, I think, with the, mm. the micronutrition, but getting a selenium supplement is... Is advisable. Selenium, zinc, probably zinc. If you look at the zinc, it was twelve in the average diet. It was it, it was then eight, and you need three point five. Is that more important for men? Um, no, I think it's important for 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 everybody. Zinc is antiviral. It's um that the, there's zinc dismutase is a, is a um cytoplasmic uh, so it's in the body water if you like. Mm. Um, all it's high particularly. Um, around genetic material so zinc is high in sperm and things like that yes um, because it protects genetic material but zinc is one of the things that's antiviral um, the other thing that you'd look for is vitamin d3 because we know that um, vitamin we take in vitamin d1 we convert it via the kidney to d2 vitamin d1 through sunshine yeah vitamin d2 becomes vitamin D3 through the skin. Yeah. And we need sun on the skin and the vitamin D levels. Uh, so our intake may remain the same, but the solar conversion. So this yeah. is so the people, importance people get, of going out. Getting out in the garden, particularly... Two hours a day. We've been devoid of vitamin D in the UK in a traditional winter, whereas now, it, and it has been a particularly murky but mild winter in terms of yeah. cloud cover and rain, but now we have got sunshine yeah. on the horizon. The forecast yeah. looks better and it's warmer, so it might be an opportunity if people are home to and get, vitamin get D, in the garden and, yeah. and, and sunbathe. And vitamin D uh, levels go down in the winter, uh, up in the summer. Yeah. Uh, they can be obviously affected by sunscreening. But you don't need to sunbathe to get it. You just need to be out in the midday sun. Mm. And um, you obviously need to know that you're not exposing yourself to solar radiation that will burn you. you just need, but you need your arms and legs. I mean, yeah, this is going to be different advice for different places where but, people live. I mean, if you yeah. live, in, you live in Florida, it's a very different picture. Or live you, in Spain. and You might want to go out for, you know, it, it, when, when it's a cloudy day, you might go out for an hour. Um, mm. Yeah, with without sunscreen, get your arms and your, your legs out in the summer. How, how how relaxed should we be, and how important is it to be fairly relaxed at, at this point in terms of stress and and an ability to 
to withstand what would be an extended period of abnormality, I suppose. I think that's the difficulty at the moment, is that, we're, that, that this is going to be for um, weeks and months. And um, if, if, if you look at high levels of anxiety over long periods of time, we know that depresses our immune system. So we've got to stay happy, we've got to support each other through this, yeah. so that people don't become ill through phone calls and, and, and jokes and, keep, and laughing and, yeah, yeah keep yeah we know that we know that you know keeping your endorphins up um your happy happy brain hormones affects your immune system um laughing helps to raise endorphins yeah so so even joking about the coronavirus at times might seem yeah, to be, yeah. actually be a way like in the war presumably people yeah. make jokes in the war yeah. and, and that's, that's kind of spirit to, yeah you can be in a going. you can be in adversity but not overwhelmed by it and mm. uh, the danger of becoming overwhelmed by it is that you become vulnerable through your anxiety yeah the changes for people as well at the moment it's the interesting psychological change to the positive might be that we're living day to day because things are changeable and actually it does in a way bring us more into the moment than perhaps We've always we've always forward sold life in a in a Western way anyway into sort of like what's the future what do I want in the future where am I going whereas yes. now we're sort of having, what do you to, value? having to live day to day now aren't we and, yeah. And, yeah. and appreciate family and friends and things like that yeah what do you what do you value you know that that you know there's a there's a big uh, you know uh, I'm certainly valuing the fact we used to go out and enjoy having a meal out yeah um, you well, know it- missing not mixing in that way oh yeah you're missing your football and rugby as well aren't you you're missing my football terribly well yeah there's going to be an upsurge in enthusiasm for a lot of things hopefully when it all uh, resumes but dad appreciate it thank you very much that's a pleasure we'll have a a chat in the future on the micronutrition as well maybe during this uh, coronavirus issue to yeah I think I think this is an opportunity to study things and to understand the world around us a little bit better and how could we do things differently? Okay. Well, Dad, good luck with the, the medical stuff as well. Thank you for listening, yep. guys. Thank you to Bang and Olufsen for being in support of the podcast. Bang and Olufsen, Jason Briggs and his team in Montpellier, Cheltenham. Do stay safe. Hope you're well out there. You can follow me on social media. I am predominantly a sports broadcaster in the UK. Ed Draper 81 on Twitter. Ed underscore Draper 81 on Instagram. And I hope you uh, try to make the most of the time if you're off and try to stay as healthy as possible. Thank you. Stay well.